Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. The show that is so bad, not even Fox Television would do a reality show about it. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe-smoking broadcast. Coming to you from the frigid recording studio just outside of Charlotte, North Carolina, here in my office. I am your host, Brian Levine, and welcome to winter. That's all I gotta say. The past couple of nights, it's been down in the 20s, and I'm cold. I don't like the cold, but... Anyway, on tonight's show, we're going to talk about uh, talk about your stem, taking the stem in and out, a couple of things like that. We'll get into that in pipe parts. My guest tonight, Mike Dockgar of the UPCA. So we're going to learn about uh, pipe smoking contests. That'll be a lot of fun. Music, pulling out Ray LaMontagne for tonight, and mailbag, rant, all that coming up at the end of the show. Uh... Also coming up this Sunday is the last NASCAR race of the year, and it looks like, uh, yeah, my favorite friend Jimmy Johnson looks like he is set up to win his sixth championship. So, yeah, it didn't work out the way I wanted it to work out, but anyway, I'll watch a little bit of that. The good news is that I will be home for the entire weekend getting caught up on stuff, and one of the things that I'm really looking forward to getting caught up on is... Um, about a month or so ago, I bought a Nintendo Wii, and I haven't really had much time to sit down and play with it, so there may be some, uh, instead of watching NASCAR, I may be playing Mario Kart, but it'll be fun either way, and got a few things to do to start winterizing the house, because, yeah, I hope, uh, last year we got really lucky, and it was a mild winter, but this year we've already had some little snow flurries around the area, and deep freezing cold at night and for me i'm just not a cold kind of person but anyway one of the things that does warm me up is my pipe so everybody grab your pipe sit back relax fire up a bowl thank you to the fine folks at sutliff tobacco company here we go Thank you for calling SmokingPipes.com. This is Barry. How can I help you? Meet Barry. He's our homegrown, all-American family guy in customer service here at SmokingPipes.com. With 25 years of experience in sales, his dedication to customer service makes Barry pretty handy around here. He's on the phone all day helping customers like you from all over the globe pick out great pipes and pipe tobacco. Ciao, Barry. Tell me about your selection of a Savinelli autograph. Don't you know I saw that list of tobacco you carry online there. Maybe you could help me pick out a good Virginia, eh? You see, we hire not only the best people, we hire people who are as passionate about our products as you are. Just ask Barry why he loves his job at SmokingPipes.com. Because I don't just help people choose from our great selection of pipes, I smoke them. Call us at 1-888-366-0345 or check us out online at SmokingPipes.com. We are quality, we are experts, we are SmokingPipes.com. There's nothing quite like fishing at dawn. Or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe. An American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. 
Check them out at corncobpipe.com. Welcome back in uh, just a few minutes. Mike, Doc Gar will be on the phone with me. But in the meantime, there was a forum post that had been floating around about uh, the proper way to take a stem in and out. And apparently what had happened was the original poster had purchased a pipe. It was a $28, $30 pipe and got it home and twisted to take the stem out and the shank cracked. Now, I will say right away that if a shank cracks that easily, there's something wrong with the pipe. Take it back. If the retailer is upstanding, they'll take care of you. But I wanted to address a couple of issues that come in that come into play when you're dealing with taking the stem in and out of the pipe. First of all, I take the stem in and out of the pipe if it's warm or if it's cold, whatever. If I need to get in there to clean something out, I'm going to take it out. doesn't bother me either way. But when I'm taking it out and I've got one of my pipes in my hand, I'm left-handed. So I rotate the pipe counterclockwise. I grab as far up the shank on the pipe as possible, and I grab as far up the stem on the pipe as possible, and I kind of twist opposite of each other and pull the, pull the stem out. When I'm putting the pipe back in, I'll only rotate it clockwise, and I won't go back and forth. If I over-rotate it, I'll try to line it up by going all the way to the right or going clockwise all the way around again. Only that last little itty-bitty movement where I want to get the stem on perfectly straight might I go back to the left. The reason I feel like I want to do that is because I want to keep whatever stress or pressure that I'm putting on the pipe, I want to keep it all going in the same direction. And it just works for me because I'm left-handed. So my left hand and my right hands are counter-rotating it and getting it on there nice and even. Now, if you've got a stem issue, if you've got a stem that's stuck, the first and probably the easiest trick to loosening up a stuck stem is put the pipe in the freezer for an hour or so. Just get it cold enough to get the pipe to contract, and that'll help loosen up the stem. If that stem is constantly getting tight like that or constantly getting squeaky like that, the first thing I want you to do once you get the pipe apart is pull it apart, look in there. There may be a little bit of buildup on there, and once that buildup cools down, it'll grab a hold of the Delrin tenon and kind of work its way into the briar. Clean that off. Pull the pipe off and just simply clean both the tenon all the way around and inside the mortise hole. Clean that really well. It's just that simple. That may be your biggest problem. Now, if you've got a pipe that's still hard to work in there, a couple of little tricks that can work for, that have worked for me. Uh, one of them is a wax, carnauba wax, beeswax works good. You just put a light coating on the pipe, on the tenon, and put it in there and work it into the shank. Uh, graphite pencil. Just take a pencil and write on the Delrin tenon. You put a little bit of graphite in there and that'll help kind of smooth things through. Uh, if you've got a tenon that is a little too loose, 
before you do the second trick that I'll tell you, what I want you to do is smoke the pipe, but be aware that it's loose. Smoke the pipe, get it heated up, get some moisture going inside there, and see if that helps tighten it up. And then as the opposite of when it's too tight and squeaky, you want to get in there and clean it. If it's too loose, simply let some buildup get in there. Smoke it a couple of times, see if that tightens it up. If that doesn't work, take your pipe apart, grab a soft flame lighter, and simply rotate the tenon, the Delrin tenon, about an inch above the flame, and that will just heat up the tenon and cause the tenon to expand a little bit. Then put it back into the pipe quickly while the tenon's hot. That will kind of reseat things, but again, it's basically doing the same thing that I'm doing by smoking the pipe. I have had in my experiences a couple of, uh, even a really high-grade pipe of mine, where the tenon just got loose. It's millimeters, fractions of millimeters of a measurement to get the tenon and the mortise hole to work correctly. That's a fraction of a millimeter a little bit too big and you're too tight a little bit too small and you're too loose so it's going to happen from time to time not every pipe's perfect plus as we all know the weather has changed and here in the south we've gone from 70 80 percent natural humidity down to uh, 30 and 40 percent so the wood's going to move on it there but there's some tricks about uh pulling your stem in and out and in and out and it kind of sounds like you put your left foot in you put your left foot out you put your left foot in and you shake it all about you do the hunky pokey and you turn yourself around that's what it's all about did i mention a little sniff of bourbon also helps keep you a little warm and keeps you a little playful so anyway keep you on your toes there a little hokey pokey stem in and stem out doesn't matter how you do it just make sure you do it correctly all right in just a minute Mike Dockgar will be on the phone with me. This is Internet Radio. I'm Mark from Ohio, and I've tried so many tobaccos, but I just still can't find something that is just magical, a tobacco that I can fall in love with. I mean, I've tried reading reviews online and participating in forum discussions only to get burned. When I was about to give up, I discovered this amazing matching system for finding my perfect blend at SutliftTobacco.com. That's how I found my perfect blend, and I just love it. Finding the right tobacco doesn't have to be hard. There are lots of tobaccos waiting for you to fall in love with them. Finding that special tobacco shouldn't be left up to chance. Experience the magic of compatibility with our patented perfect match system. Try it at SutliftTobacco.com. Go to SutliftTobacco.com right now and find your perfect blend. Please welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show, uh, fellow pipe smoker, educator, Mike Dockgar. Mike, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me, Brian. All right, first of all, how how the nickname Doc. Well, I guess it's, it was my wife. Uh, you know, I, I have a doctorate, and for some reason she just started calling me Doc. And it, it, you know, I, I never know whether to be introduced as Mike or Doc, and I go back and forth between them. Whatever I answer to is, you know, what, what I answer to. 
you know, of all the seven dwarfs, that's probably one of the best ones to get named after. Well, that's so. true. That's true. I never thought of that. Yeah. Better than Dopey. And better than Grumpy, which I've been called before. <laughs> probably by my wife. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So tell us all, when did you start smoking a pipe? Well, and again, this is my wife again. So we were at a drugstore back in, oh, I don't know, about 1990, I suppose. So I haven't been smoking all that long. And she saw a tin of t- uh, cigars that she liked, and she's like, oh, why don't you buy that tin of cigars? So we bought the tin of cigars, and on the way out, she goes, oh, I really like the smell of cherry pipe tobacco. So got a Dr. Grabo and and uh, uh, some cherry pipe and started smoking it, and um, obviously that, that wasn't too good. And I took a class to Belgium, uh, and, and when I was in, in Brussels, I thought maybe I could pick up a good – a good pipe, a good deal, and I didn't see any good deals. And I came back with all these these Belgian francs. This is before the euro, Belgian francs and and French francs. And the bank wouldn't change them in; they'd have to send them to New York City. So I thought, well, why don't I just hop on the bus? It's only two and a half hours away. Change in the francs into dollars and find a pipe at the store. And I did that and walked around and felt and found Della Concha. Ooh. And so a guy spent about an hour with me and put me into my first good Nording pipe, which was not a good pipe at all. Uh, what kind of tobacco did he start you off with? Well, it, it was he had me go with three. One was my mixture, 965 Dunhill, and then it was one of their own mixtures, and there was a third, and I forget what the third one was. Were they all English, or did you have, a, did you have an aromatic and a Virginia? No, it was, uh, I, I think, they just the English and the Virginia, and I'm not sure what the other one was. It wasn't an aromatic, though. So you, I've stayed away from aromatics. So you, you survived the early days of pipe smoking. When did when did pipe smoking become a, uh, a, a regular hobby for you? Well, it wasn't really too much longer after I came back from, from New York City. Um, we have a local pipe store, and there was a couple of guys that would hang out at the pipe store smoking pipes on, on Tuesday nights, and I started hanging out with them. And, and after a couple of years, it sort of became formalized into a, into a club. So, uh, so not long after I got that pipe. Are you willing to admit how many pipes you own? Well, uh, let's say in my current rotation, I have about 100 pipes. All the same, or is your collection focused in one area or the other? No, it, it's it's all over the place. Just you know, if it if it's if it's a pipe I I like, I, I buy it. I don't care about the you know the shape or the carver or the you know the finish on it. It's just a nice pipe. And have they all been smoked? I have two years ago in Chicago. I bought a um, oh shoot, now I can't remember his name. Uh, Walt Canoy. Uh, wax strip, and and that's the only pipe I've not yet smoked. But every one, every other ones I've smoked. Reason I ask is I was just interested in the psychology of what it is that makes us not smoke certain pipes, even <laughs> though we love them. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, I, yep. I I don't know. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna smoke that pipe sooner or later. But uh, if you need help, I mean, why well, have it? <laughs> If you need help with it, send it this way. I'll smoke it for you for a while. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'll need any help. 
Well, the offer's out there. Well, thank you. So, you live in the uh, Scranton Wilkes-Barre area. Uh, yeah. You're tell you're a professor of sociology. Yes. And at Wilkes University. Go ahead and tell us what all that is for those of us, especially me, that doesn't know what that is. Sociology. Yeah. Well, it's sort of the opposite of psychology. So psychology looks at what affects human behavior from what's inside of you, whereas sociology is more concerned with the context of behavior. So it looks at the other people around you. It looks at your environment and and how that affects your behavior rather than what's internal to you. So because my mom made me wear corduroy pants when I was a young hippie child, that's the reason why I hate corduroy pants, and that's sociology. Well, only if you say that that's true. Okay. We, would not want, we would not want to mystify your experience. <laughs> <laughs> and, and going back to pipes for a minute, because I'm kind of racking up information on, on this, how often do you smoke your pipe? Well, I'm smoking it now. Uh, I, 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 I try to smoke twice a day. Uh, I'm in the office now. I'm not supposed to be smoking it now. If public safety comes by, I'm in trouble. But uh, I, I don't think that's going to happen, hopefully. But, uh, yeah, usually, usually at night I, I have a pipe. I also work at a tobacco store, so I smoke a pipe while I'm there as well. And uh, on weekends I'll probably get two, maybe three in. So it is a daily a daily occurrence for you. It is. It is. And do you, you smoke one you smoke one bowl out of the pipe and then let it rest before you go yep. back to it. Yep. 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 So with a hundred pipes, I'm just doing the math. Yeah, you got a few weeks before you get back through your rotation. Right. Now, I the ones I have in my office tend to be not as nice. I don't count those as in my rotation, and uh, they they get pretty beaten up i i bought a, i bought some pipes uh and i've been refurbishing them I'm, i was like just cursing the guy that had me he had him in such bad shape and then i took some of these pipes home from the office and started cleaning them and going oh my god i'm worse than they are <laughs> so your own bad habits are shining through <laughs> yeah as i've spent time keeping my pipes really clean we talked uh, we talked a while back, you and I, and one of the things that you mentioned was that you've done some health-related research. Yes. Go ahead so and my, tell my, us. My last research is, is on smoking and drinking and self-rated health. And self-rated health is a, a simple survey question that asks people to rate their own health on a scale from uh, poor to excellent. And it's five-point scale, and that scale has been shown to be highly correlated with actual physical health. And so using the, uh, what is it, the Survey of Drug Use, the U.S. Department of Health and Social Services, gives me data on 35,000 American adults. And so I look at, they have it broken down into whether people are, Cigar. Well, I look at in the past month, did you smoke a cigar or pipe exclusively? Uh, did you smoke a cigarette in the past month? Are you a former smoker? That is, you smoked not in the past month, but you smoked cigarettes before. Or are you a non-smoker, never trying cigarettes? And so what I find is that, uh, at least with this research, 
that pipe and cigar smokers had significantly better self-rated health than non-smokers. And so that's, that's pretty surprising in itself, although, again, it goes back to the Surgeon General report that says that pipe smokers live longer. And, uh, and cigarette smokers obviously do the worst, and, and, and uh, former smokers are in between. But when you add drinking into it, the worst thing you can do, and this is the good news, is to abstain from alcohol. Oh, thank you. People who, <laughs> people who abstain from alcohol, regardless of smoking level, have the worst health. And then for pipe and scar smokers and non-smokers, moderate drinking is good. But then for, for cigarette smokers and former smokers, the more you drink, the better it is. Well, that's something that I can drink to then. <laughs> I think so. Was there a point in the curve where the more you drank, eventually it got to the point where you just didn't know how unhealthy you were and it didn't matter <laughs> well, anymore? That's possible. And again, I'm, I'm using the government's own, own stuff on drinking. So they have it broken down into non-drinkers, moderate drinkers, uh, heavy drinkers, and binge drinkers. And so heavy and binge drinkers had uh, the lowest or the highest self-rated health compared to moderate and abstaining uh, for cigarette smokers and non-smokers. <laughs> they were just so drunk they didn't know how bad they felt. <laughs> That's possible. But uh, Either way, it works out. Does uh, Do you think any of it can be attributed to uh, to the... The happier, the happier you are, the the more positive your outlook is, and you know, oh, sure. us pipe yeah, smokers, yeah. we're kind of happy people until we get into yeah. an argument with each other. <laughs> well, you know, I think the ritual of pipe smoking uh, not only makes you happy, but I think it's the ritual that really relaxes you. And you know, a lot of cigar smokers can't can't understand why we we play around with the pipe so much and they sometimes can't get into constantly having to tamp and relight and stuff like that but but it's part of the ritual and it does help uh, you know i i find that sometimes it's hard for me to work while i'm smoking my pipe because i get so involved in the pipe and the process of it that i just get too relaxed and <laughs> next next thing you know i'm sitting there and 45 minutes has gone by. Yeah. Uh, was there was there any correlation in there in the type of drinks? Did... No, no. They're, they're, it, I believe the the way the government defines those is as it's a frequency quantity kind of thing, but not doesn't have anything to do with with what's being consumed. So it doesn't have to do with the quality of the beverage either. Yeah, I, I I wouldn't think so. I mean, we know that alcohol is good for your health. I mean, that's public. You know, one of the big problems in public health is is how to get that message across that it's good to drink, but it's you need to drink in moderation. That that it's well known that that moderate drinking is much better for you than abstinence. And that's why my doctors asked me to switch to red wine because it's better for your heart and all that stuff. And I yeah. I'm forcing myself to learn to really look forward to enjoying a glass a night. Well, you know, I, I forget what the red wine has in it, but you know, I think any alcohol will will work. But red wine has some extra stuff in it that other alcohol doesn't have. Can we go back? You you quoted the uh, Surgeon General's report 
Remind yes. us what all that one said. Well, that, and I, I can't, I'm trying to remember, I keep thinking it's 64. Yes, because that's when he first comes out against it's smoking. And in that report, they find that pipe and cigar smokers ha- live longer than non-smokers and, and certainly smokers. And so while this was a an attack on, on cigarette smoking per se, I mean, there was a lot of good evidence for smoking pipes and cigars. And and even my own research, I, I've put this into, you know, in, in European countries, there's an idea of um, uh, harm reduction as a policy that, uh, you know, that that if you're doing heroin, you may want to switch to smoking opium instead or something like that. But, uh, you know, in terms of tobacco, pipe and cigar would be a, a form of tobacco harm reduction. And so that's often the the take that I have on this is, is a way of, of safer smoking and as a way of thinking about maybe you should get off cigarettes and start smoking pipes and cigars. And of the you thir- don't inhale. And of the thirty five thousand people that were mentioned in the in the research mm. were those Yes. What was the percentage of those that were smokers? Do you remember? Mm. Um smokers were I believe about thirty percent. And of those, most of those were cigarette smokers. Yes. Well, all of them were cigarette smokers. Pipe and cigar smokers, because they were these were people who did not smoke cigarettes, so they only smoked okay. pipes and cigars. And that was, uh, I think, about five. Now I can't remember. I should have my research here. Uh, I think about, well, it should be about closer to 10%, I think, because pipes... Pipe smokers alone, and the reason I did I put pipe and cigar smokers together was that only about 1.1% of the sample was pipe smokers. So to increase that to a, a somewhat larger group, I, I put in cigar smokers. But even then, there's statistical properties because of, of such a being such a small group that that is kind of a problem with the research. Um, but that's all right. There's nothing you can do about it. And we're going to take a break right here. When we come back, we're going to get off of all the really smart stuff and go to the fun stuff like the slow (laughs) smoking competition. So we'll be back in just a minute. Need a reliable source for ordering pipes and tobacco? Do you find it difficult to get your favorite blends outside of the U.S.? Fournoggins.com stocks all of your favorite pipes and tobaccos and ships all over the world. All forms of payment are accepted and orders are processed the same day. There are no worries when ordering from Fournoggins.com. Fournoggins.com is your source for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. We ship in the U.S. and international with no worries. Fournoggins.com for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. I'm not just a pipe smoker. I'm a Meerschaum pipe smoker. All of my pipes come from MeerschaumStore.com. They've been in business for 50 years, and I can trust that there will be no hassles. Orders are processed and shipped fast, and they have every shape you can imagine, including Calabash, Claws, Dragons, Horror, even a sexy series. MeerschaumStore.com, the most trusted Meerschaum store for 50 years. We 
we are back. Doc is still with us. Doc, you are heavily involved in the UPCA. So tell us, first of all, what do you do for them? And second of all, what is the UPCA? Well, the UPCA is the United Pipe Clubs of America. I'm currently the president of the organization. Uh, this is my, well, this is my second year of being president. And uh, what do I do? I, I, the, the, what we want to do is to facilitate, to promote pipe club activities, to facilitate communication between pipe clubs, and to support smoking contests uh, around the country. How do you how do you go about promoting a pipe club? Do you have like a, a pipe club starter kit? Uh, well, we have the Steve uh, Fallon article on starting a pipe club on our website. I have a website. I create a Facebook page. Uh, I, I sometimes go on to Kevin's PipesMagazine dot com, the forum on pipe clubs there, and I look for new pipe clubs and encourage them to you know go along, you know, go ahead and do the pipe club, and then you know, in the future maybe they might want to consider joining UPCA. And what is the website so that we can all go to it? Uh, what is it? It's uh, unitedpipeclubs.org. And since Steve Fallon wrote the article, keep in mind that he's from Texas and he doesn't yeah, he yeah, doesn't own yeah. he doesn't own a proper cowboy hat, so we don't know if we can trust him. <laughs> and that article is also on the Facebook page. So there you go. You can find it there. Let's talk about the slow smoke competitions because. Do you know the background or the history of how they got started? Uh, no. I mean, you know, there's there's another organization uh, in the United States that have been doing pipe smoking contests since 1949, but they don't follow a standardized protocol. And so, uh, you know, the UPCA was founded so that we could follow – the international rules, which standardizes the pipe, the tobacco, uh, and obviously the two matches are, are pretty easy. But uh, every, everything is, is on an equal playing field with the European rules. So what are the standard, the, the, the standard materials? What does what one well, need? I mean, you have, yeah, you need, a, you need a, one pipe that's in a classical shape. It doesn't make a difference how it is and that it needs to be able to hold three grams of tobacco because everybody is given three grams of tobacco. Now, the tobacco can vary from year to year, but everybody is smoking the same tobacco. You're given two matches, one pipe, and a piece of paper. And so you're given five minutes to take the tobacco and rub it out as finely as possible, usually, although people have different techniques. And to load that pipe within the five minutes. Now this is and a then, this is a brand new this is a brand new unsmoked pipe. Brand new pipe, right? Never been smoked it's before, so you're never breaking, been smoked. You're breaking in a brand new pipe with potentially a tobacco that may not be your favorite or in your uh, wheelhouse. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it can be pretty bad. I, I just want to make sure that everybody understands why I don't do a lot of these. <laughs> Uh, Although we had a last year in in, in Seville, we had a Sir Jacopo pi, uh, pipe for the smoking contest. That was quite nice. Yeah, yeah I might have gone for that one. <laughs> yeah. uh, you also get a little uh, a wooden dowel to use as a tamper, right? And 
the reason for rubbing the tobacco out as much as possible? Is that well? I think yeah. Uh, uh, well, I'm still trying to figure that one out myself. But the issue is that you want to make small pieces. <laughs> excuse me. Small pieces so that the the because. T- because the tobacco is burning slowly, you 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 want the, you want every piece to try to be available to get the ember. Okay. And so I think when it's smaller, it has a better chance of doing that than when it's larger and there's bigger gaps between the tobacco pieces. Got it. So you don't want it running down through an air pocket in there. You want it right. evenly packed as yep. as, as smoothly as possible. So you get the you get five minutes to pack the pipe, then and you're given yeah the one minute to use your two matches to light the pipe, and once the two matches are used up or the one minute is up, then you cannot relight the pipe. Any other any other rules? Well, there's lots of little rules. I mean, for, one of the one of the strangest rules is that you cannot drink in the first ten minutes. And everybody wants to know why, and nobody really seems to know why. But, you know, I, I think it probably has something to do with, you know, maybe at one time somebody dipping their finger in a glass of water and putting it on their tobacco to try to slow down the burning process. But whatever the reason is, no no, no smoke, uh, no drinking in the first 10 minutes. And there's other rules like, you know, you can't, you can't tap the pipe on the, on the table, you can't blow into the pipe, and... There's a few other rules. Is there a rule about tamping and keeping, you have to have the pipe in your mouth while you tamp? Yeah, that's true. You have to have the pipe in the mouth while you're tamping, which if you're not used to it, it's it's a little difficult to do because we're in such a habit sometimes to to take the pipe out and then tamp. And I, I remember my first smoking contest, I know I did at least once where I had the pipe out of the mouth when I was tamping. Is that so that you can't look down into the bowl and see where everything is, or? Is well, I, I I think it's just so that you standard. I think if it's more difficult to tamper with the tobacco when the pipe is in your mouth and and you're tamping, uh, you can sort of see what's going on. And if nothing else, I mean, you certainly do it by feel. Um, that you can you can sort of feel how the the tobacco is going, especially towards the end. At the beginning, it's, it's pretty much just taking ash out with the with the tamper. But towards the end, as, as sometimes tobacco builds up along the walls, you can you can sort of feel that and, and make corrections for it. So you got to do all this by feel instead of being able to well i guess you could look down into the pipe in between puffs but then you have to know where yeah. to tamp to get the feel correctly right right and a lot of times if you watch people in a smoking t- contest i mean they spend a lot of their time looking at the pipe more than smoking it so when one practices so you've got you got five minutes to pack it with three grams you've got the two matches in the first minute no water for the first 10 minutes or nothing to drink. Right. Which may cause severe tongue burn depending on what you're smoking <laughs> in a brand new no doubt. in a brand new pipe. Uh is there a is there a practice to puffing or pacing it that you need to learn is what's well, what's I, some I of think, the tricks now? Well, yeah. The the issue I I think the pipe smokes itself. 
And all you're there for is to egg it on. And so what you want to do typically, and again, there's different there's different styles, but I think the major way that the Europeans do it anyway is they create this ember. And it's only on a small piece on the top of the tobacco. And, and that ember will, will you know, rise up to the top, stay along the top a little bit, burning tobacco, and then it, it goes down and disappears. And, and then you puff on your pipe, and, and lo and behold, the ember comes back up to the top, stays along the top, and then goes back down. And so the issue becomes, you know, the the world's champ is is this guy from Italy and and in Germany when he went three hours and thirty three minutes you know people were going he can see below the ash he has like X ray vision and can tell just when that ember is going to go out and then he repuffs I don't know I mean the Europeans have it down to to a science and we Americans are really trying to catch up. When I've seen a couple of pipe smoking contests, especially in Chicago, why are the Europeans all kind of synchronized, banging their tampers on the table? <laughs> uh, well, I, I think there's there's two reasons for that. One, when somebody goes out, it's kind of a they're 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 you know they're they're honor guard to to tap on the the table to say, all right, good job, see you later. And also, sometimes it's done just to get rid of all the ash that is on the tamper and make sure that it's nice and clean, I suppose. I think it might be to intimidate us people sitting near them. Going, hey, they're organized, and we're just sitting over here goofing around. Yeah, yeah. well, no doubt. I remember I was at the very first internationally sanctioned uh, smoking contest in Philadelphia in 2002 2001. And um, I had a guy from France, Alain Toulier, who was just president of the international uh, organization for the past four years. And, and, you know, being Americans, we were joking around and he'd go, attention le peep, attention le peep, and sternly saying that. And, you know, we continued joking around. And of course, none of us lasted more than 45 minutes to an hour. You know, and that was that was the contest where a guy from Spain, Tony Pasqual, you know, he's he's smoking his pipe. He looks at it, sets it down, goes off to the bathroom, which is a pretty good distance from the from the tables. Comes back, takes a few puff on his pipe, back together again, and he just looks at it again and goes ahead and wins the contest at two hours, where he sets down his pipe. So wait a, wait a second. You can't drink for the first ten minutes, but you can go to the bathroom. Right. Well, this was this was about I don't know maybe half hour, forty five minutes into the contest, he got up and went to the bathroom. Now you can't take the pipe with you. The pipe stays on the table. But you can leave the pipe sitting there, right? And, and go off to the bathroom and possibly get an illegal uh, you know get an illegal <laughs> material in the bathroom and put it in the pipe somehow. Sneak perhaps, in. perhaps. I mean, I, I've never seen anyone do that since uh, you know but there's all these other Europeans there and I'm sure they would have said you can't do that Tony all right now as the as the head of the UPCA and the sanctioning organization for several of these slow smoking contests what's the longest you've gone longest I've gone in official competition I think was an hour and 45 minutes and what did you win Nothing. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a European 
contest. And, you know, in, in Chicago, we we like to try to get everyone to have a prize, even if it's a tin of tobacco or something. And so with that time, I mean, I would have won a pipe. But in, in Europe, um, you know, you have to be in the top 10 to win something. And so I, I was I was 17th, but not in the top 10. All right. Now, as the head of the UPCA and the sanctioning body of all these slow smoking competitions, what's the shortest time you've gone? I I have the record that's unbeatable. It's zero hours, zero minutes, zero seconds. I couldn't get the pipe lit. So you used your two matches and there was no smoke? No smoke. And what did you win for that? I won all the matches because when we do, well, there would have been, I don't know how many matches, 2,800 matches, something like that, because we have to have two matches per box. And so all the surplus matches go into a bag and is given to the person who flames out first. Well, in my case, it wasn't even flaming out. <laughs> but was... I won a trophy, too. Well, that was nice. Yeah, yeah, because I couldn't take the the matches on the plane with me. I thought maybe the trophy had a little strike hair spot on it. <laughs> well, it does have a flame on it. So if I if I go to the Chicago Pipe Show, uh, what kind of prizes can I expect to see uh, for the uh, for the higher for the higher rankings? Yeah, I mean we we've, we've had a Takatomi pipe, uh, we've had Dunhills. Uh, uh, Levon Eric is always very gracious in, in giving us a pipe. And so probably the first 10, 12 uh, top prizes are pipes. How long do I need to go to get one of those pipes? Uh, probably about an hour. Is that all? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Chicago, I, I think, uh, let's see, I, who has the longest time? I think it's Craig Watness from Seattle still has the... The longest time, I think it's done, about an hour 50. I will admit that uh, I believe in 2007 I did the competition. I made it 47 minutes, and I I actually did win a pipe. Um, ah, there you go. That was my first competition that I did. Yeah. So I figured that was a good time to stop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, until I did the second one where I lasted about 18 minutes because I couldn't stand the <laughs> tobacco or the pipe that they chose. <laughs> What's the entrance Why fee not? for one of these competitions? Well, it varies uh, on the price of the pipe, but, uh, you know, it's it's probably getting up to around $35, $40. And, you know, at Chicago, one of my jobs is to try to get people into the smoking contest. And you know, I keep telling them it's the best deal in the show because for 35 or $40, you get a new pipe plus the chance, even with 47 minutes, to win a, another pipe. And you've you've actually had some really great pipe companies and pipe makers make the pipes for you. The I believe the yep. year that I did it was uh, Viprati and Alberto Bonfiglio. Oh, uh, yeah, yep, yep. I, I can look at that pipe right now. And for thirty, I think it was thirty dollars to get a pipe that was rusticated or carved by them. I mean, yep. You can't even buy a stem from them for that price. Well, this year's pipe is is designed by Kaviki. Okay, I think I'm in. Um, talk talk to me real quick because you just came back from Poland from the mm -hmm. World Smoking Championship. Yeah, it was the World Cup in Poland. 
sponsored by the Comité International de Peep Clubs that the UPCA belongs to. And this was the first year that we were able to send over two teams and uh, three people on each team, although teams range from three to five people, but we had six of uh, two teams of three. And the American team probably did the best we've ever done. Uh, we were, what were we, um, 14th with, uh, with the three of us with a combined time of over four hours. And so this was the first time that an American club has been recognized at all. We were able to go on stage, and we got a little prize and got our pictures taken. So we were quite happy. How many, uh, how many pipe smokers were in the competition? 295. Good Lord. <laughs> so, yeah, again, these Europeans take it quite seriously. And, and you know, that's, that's pretty typical for a pipe smoking contest in, in Europe to have about 300 smokers. And it was, it was in Poland, so, the, uh, so each individual of the team had to, had to get transportation and hotel and all that stuff. <laughs> yep, yep. It's, it's not cheap. And the uh, although I tell you the hotel three four nights we it was three hundred bucks, so that wasn't bad. But there's no uh, U.S. Olympic pipe smoking team sponsored by uh, Strike Anywhere matches or. <laughs> no, there should be. Although the the Seattle Pipe Club uh, sponsored their winner of the Northwest uh, competition, uh, uh, a woman that won the contest for the first time any any smoking contest. Uh, in the United States, and uh, they they sent her to Poland. Wow! So she was on our, the American team. Now I know in, in Chicago they have a separate they have a separate category for women. Do they do that internationally yes. as well, or is it? Uh, I didn't see it this year, but I believe last year in Seville they did do that. Sub there's a sub competition amongst in some of these uh, yeah. for women, and then of course. Yeah. The lady from Seattle won it all, so she probably. Well, that was at the regional, not at yeah. Chicago. Yeah, in her um, in her own competition, yeah. she won it all, so she probably right. got two trophies. Yeah, and no matches. No matches. And I tell you, I mean, trying to get women to get into the pipe smoking contest. I remember one year we only had two women, and one of them is Menduela from. Denmark and and I, I basically had to get on my knees and beg to have, get this out, a second woman into the contest. But this past year we had six women. Uh, there was a college student, a female college student, that won the female division this year. Wow! So we're getting yeah. younger too. Yep. Let's talk real quick about your local pipe club. Where does it meet? Okay. How can people find out about it? If you're in the area, give them all the details so that they can come out and hang okay, out with you. Well. We, 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 we're the Pocono Intermountain Pipe Enthusiasts. Uh, we meet at a tobacco store called El Humidor, which is on Route 315 Plains, just past the woodlands. And we meet every Thursday night from 5 o'clock to 8 o'clock, uh, 6 o'clock to 8 o'clock. But we're one of the few, few clubs that meet weekly. Uh, we're in desperate need of, me <laughs> desperate need of members. Um, so if you're around, come on by, and you're welcome in. And with that, we'll wrap it up with the Fast Five final questions. Ooh. There is no right answer, no wrong answer, short or long, doesn't matter. Are you ready? Uh, I guess so. What's your favorite pipe? 
What's my favorite pipe? I don't have one. That's the chicken exit, but we'll let you take it. <laughs> What's your favorite tobacco? Ah, oh, boy. Uh, you know, I am smoking a, a Peter Heinrich Old Kentucky Flake that I, I think is terrific. And what's your favorite drink? Favorite beer, uh, Yingling Lager. Uh, hometown brew, huh? Yep. When it's time to relax, is it a book, a movie, or music? Music. With my pipe. What kind of music? Uh, it's pretty eclectic. Uh, a lot of Americana, though. And your favorite memory of the your favorite memory related to pipe smoking? Hmm. <laughs> well, probably the time I won the Chicago contest, and uh, that got me a trip to to the Netherlands to compete over there. So yeah, I'd say coming in first. Certainly better than going out first. Doc, I want to thank you for your time. If you want to find out more about the UPCA, it's unitedpipeclubs.org or find them on Facebook. Well, thank you, Brian. And we'll be back in just a minute. This is Internet Radio. I'm Mark from Ohio, and I've tried so many tobaccos, but I just still can't find something that is just magical, a tobacco that I can fall in love with. I mean, I've tried reading reviews online and participating in forum discussions only to get burned. When I was about to give up, I discovered this amazing matching system for finding my perfect blend at SutliffTobacco.com. That's how I found my perfect blend, and I just love it. Finding the right tobacco doesn't have to be hard. There are lots of tobaccos waiting for you to fall in love with them. Finding that special tobacco shouldn't be left up to chance. Experience the magic of compatibility with our patented Perfect Match system. Try it at SutliffTobacco.com. Go to SutliffTobacco.com right now and find your perfect blend. Welcome back. There you go. Are you all ready? Six and a half months till the uh, Chicago Pipe Show's Slow Smoking Contest. Maybe I'll get my uh, lips limbered up. So, talking about a little bit of Americana, Ray LaMontagne, been a pipe smoker for several years, finally came out a couple of years ago that he does smoke a pipe and enjoys a pipe and doesn't find it affects his voice at all. So, here's one of my favorite songs from Ray. Door 
Nothing ain't got no cash. No matter where you turn, you ain't got no face to stand. You reach out for something and they slap your hand. I remember all too well just how it feels to be. Anything but just a little place you can call home. That's when you Ray LaMontagne and the Pariah Dogs, Let It Be Me is the name of the song. So we're going to skip right through the mailbag because, again, I'm running long, but uh, I had a great time talking with Mike and didn't want to cut him short. So I do want to ask a favor for everybody out there. And it dates, it goes back to last weekend. I went on a band trip with my daughter, went to a little town about an hour and a half north of here called Lenore, North Carolina. And Lenore, North Carolina, in the 1920s, became famous for the Lenore High School Marching Band. 
it became a tradition in that area that until 1977, when the school was split up and merged into another district, that that band was one of the best bands in the nation. For 47 straight years, they got superior ratings, were invited to inaugurations, traveled overseas, were in every parade, and it was a small-town America traditional marching band headed up by one man that started it all. Uh, I'll post a video of my daughter's high school band playing the Lenore High School alma mater in front of the old high school band building. I'll make sure that that's up on my Facebook page for you to go look at. But what I thought about was what what really came to uh, what really touched me was the small town traditions and the fact that we're coming up on the holidays and there's a lot of holiday releases of tobaccos and holiday traditions around pipes and pipe tobacco. So what I'd like for you all to do, please, is email me at brian at pipesmagazine.com or send me a Facebook message on my Facebook page. Send me your holiday pipe traditions, your holiday pipe smoking traditions. And as we get closer to the holidays and the new year, I'll read them all on the air. Whatever your tradition is, if it's a, if it's a very simple sit down in the evening with a quiet, uh, you know, and everything's quieted down with a pipe, Whatever it is, if it's a new pipe that you get, if it's a tobacco, whatever it is, send me those traditions. I'm sure everybody's got one. Whatever they are, send them to me. I want to start compiling them all now and get them ready for the holiday season. And with that, rant time coming up next. There's nothing quite like a good book or my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe. An American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. See for yourself at corncobpipe.com. The term one-stop shop is so overused. There's no place that is literally a one-stop shop. Well, guess what? When it comes to your quality tobacco products, there is. It's cupojoes.com. With hundreds of pipe tobacco blends, thousands of pipes in stock, a wide variety of cigars, coffees, accessories, and so much more. All you have to do is go to cupojoes.com, and there it is, cupojoes.com. Quality products, extraordinary prices. identify a dumb ebay seller well let me tell you here's how it goes uh when i worked for smokingpipes.com i became a big fan of smio sato's pipes one of the japanese carvers became a big fan of his pipes so i've got a couple of searches for his pipes on ebay i keep an eye on them i search them i track them and every once in a while if a deal works out i pick one up well, there is one particular seller who has had the same Sato pipe, unsmoked, same rare Japanese masterpiece pipe that he's been trying to sell for two years. Seven-day auctions at a $900 opening bid or whatever it is, same 
auction, same pipe, starts every week. He's missed a couple of weeks in there, but he keeps listing the same pipe over and over again at the same price, and it's been going on for about two years. Now, if you haven't sold it yet, do you think you've got it overpriced? Do you think you might want to lower the price? What are you doing? You're just sitting there wasting your money and wasting time by keeping that auction listed and you're clogging things up on eBay. Now this is also part of a problem with eBay because they allow you a certain amount of free listings per month or whatever they're doing now and I don't pay much attention to that anymore. But this is absolutely stupid. It hasn't sold in two years. Do you think somebody's going to come along all of a sudden and buy it? I doubt it. If you really want to sell it, lower the price. Oh, and if you're uh, on eBay and you want to find good deals, obviously find people that don't know how to describe stuff properly because that's the best way. So if you're looking for a Dunhill, spell it with with a G in there and you'll find all kinds of weird stuff and keep searching around because I've always found stuff misspelled because people don't take the time to read through their listings. So there you have it little eBay rant for you tonight. Hey, please make sure and keep those iTunes feedbacks coming. We appreciate those greatly. Got any comments, post them on the forums. I do read them all. I'll get around to all of them. Follow me on Facebook. Make sure and let your friends know about the Pipes Magazine radio show. If you're on other forums, share it with them there because... The more the merrier around here. And if you'd like to advertise on the Pipes Magazine radio show, contact Kevin Godby at PipesMagazine.com. So, from a frigid North Carolina in the uh, recording studio here at my office, I wish you all warm wishes. Thank you to Mike Dockgar for joining me. Thank you to Sutliff Tobacco Company. And until next time, clouds when we're together just sing a song and think about sunny Due to budget cuts, the music in tonight's show is performed by a local Bay City Rollers tribute band.